to another episode of the Uncooked Poetry Podcast. I'm your host, Tamora Israel. Happy Mother Loving Friday, man. Hope you guys are having a good week so far. Hope your week is being kind to you, okay? Hope you had some coffee this morning. Hope you got some wine tonight. Hope you're ready to sit back and enjoy the show, all right? So happy Friday. Welcome. For those of you who are watching the show, um, if you're watching the video, you might notice that things look a little bit different this week, right? When you come on, it's usually a two-panel, myself and my guest, but we're trying something a little bit different this week, okay? We're trying to introduce our guests a little bit different this week, so hopefully you'll like it. It might be something we implement and continue to do down the road, but who knows, you know, as as the podcast grows and, and flows and transforms into different things, we will do the same with it. So if you like us, if you like this uh, intro, hit us up, let us know, all right? Check out our Facebook group, The Uncorked Poetry Podcast. Please come on in and subscribe. And uh, yeah, happy Mother Loving Friday. Our guest this week. Huh? That I forgot. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Our guest this week is Tito Rivera. Right? Tito identifies with street artists, organizers, and prefers being underground, but global. Right? Uh, his main elements include hip-hop musicianship as a composer and pianist, uh, media media production and design, DJing, beatboxing, and advocating for human rights of hip-hop and all people, okay? Currently, he is a member of the Hip-Hop Congress, Universal Zulu Nation, Department of Community Affairs, New Era Young Lords, and Tiano Nation, okay? I'm pretty sure I said the last one wrong. No disrespect. My apologies. Please um, in the comments or hit me up and tell me how to pronounce it correctly. My apologies if I uh, demolish that. But Tito is our guest today. So we're going to um, try something different as we welcome him in, right? My voice is going to go down a little bit and then he's going to come in a little bit. And we're just going to see what it flow like, man. We're going to see how it feel like. We're going to see how it go. Hopefully you like it. If you do, hit us up and let us know. Enjoy the show.
see you. What's up, my guy? I mean, I can't hear you, but um, that mask is, is bomb. That's for sure. Yeah, let's bring on this one. There we go. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing tonight? I'm all right. Just enjoying the vibe. How are you? I'm good. I really like that um, piano. Like that, man, that just felt so good. You know what it reminded me of? It kind of, um, it reminded me of, um, you know, the movie Big with uh, uh, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah, yeah. There's this one scene where he's just uh, running down the street as like a careless kid because, you know, he's a big kid. And there's like this piano solo behind him. And like, you just feel him like feeling his childhood. Like, you know, it's such a real moment in that, you know, mostly upbeat comedy movie. But that's what I felt like, just feeling them feelings with you. Like I was rocking with it. That was cool. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Word, word. So, um, Tito, first things first, I don't know much about you. Um, where are you from? What do you mean, where am I from? Hmm. I guess, what part of um, the earth do you claim? Or do you claim me? The earth is not mine to claim. Hmm. I share it with all living creatures. Mm -hmm. I is have there... my time here. Mm-hmm. I have that which I will take. And when the time comes, I will give back everything. I like that. I like that. Um, did you find music and, and writing and poetry or did it find you? Hmm. That's a very good question. I would think that we found each other. Hmm. It was like a person who knows they're thirsty and finds at the right time a drink. You know, the drink is there for them to have, but they also have to have that intention. And so for me, I would say that it was during high school in a small town called Easton, Pennsylvania, where we had this thing called study hall. And usually very few people studied there. But I remember distinctly one day realizing that I was bored out of my mind and that I would rather do almost anything but be there. And it was on that day that a particular teacher announced that if we didn't want to be there, we could either join a club or we could go to the library. So I decided to escape study hall and go to the library and the library became like a treasure cave. You know, it, was, it became a place where I was able to explore unlike other times when we would go to the library and there was some type of a particular project or assignment that we would have to do. Mm -hmm. Now I could just go and search and explore and see what kind of mysteries I would find. It became a place where I started to just look for things that would enhance my hip hop. And ultimately, they didn't have many books about hip hop, but I was able to find things about poetry and literature and asking myself based on the concepts made available to me through hip hop, like the Wu-Tang Clan, maybe I could take some dope lines from the Iliad, or maybe I could take some dope lines from Beowulf, or maybe I could grab something to throw into my... And, and at the time, I really hadn't written many rhymes, 
but I already had that thought that I should be exploring the world of literature to find dope words and vocab and lines, right? Word. And that's how it kind of started. I went back to study hall with this collection of notes of what I thought were dope words mm -hmm. and dope lines from, you know, world literature and try to piece them together into a dope verse. And that's kind of how it all started for me. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, that's dope. Um, so you've made a, a lot of music. You've you've written a lot of pieces. Um, how do you know when a piece is done? Um, how do you know when to put something down? Then there's nothing left to do. Ooh. Do you ever pick it up when you know you shouldn't? I discovered the concept of versions from our Jamaican brothers and sisters. What's that? Version culture. Oh, a version culture. I thought you said okay. you know version v e r s i o n version. So the idea is like, I don't know how much you know about this or how much the listeners know about this, but um, a lot of the roots of hip hop culture are closely tied to African and indigenous heritage, yeah. and at various stages of the evolution of our peoples we go and we see particular moments where a special gift was brought forward. And so in the independence of Jamaica, they gave rise to an independence culture, a freedom culture, a pan-African liberationist culture. And the sound was what we call now dancehall or reggae. And so a lot of times the way the ciphers and the parties and the rhythms and the musicians all came together to give us this culture, you dig? And yeah. so when, when, when a certain rhythm would become popular in a certain village or a certain parish, people would take that desire to hear that rhythm to other neighborhoods and different DJs would you know, say their rhymes to these certain rhythms. So you could have one rhythm that will have many artists on it from across mm -hmm. Jamaica. And the most popular version of that rhythm would become the record that might make it to the radio. And so this was the, the process of, of developing the art and the culture with that type of sophistication in the hands of the people who led the culture to come to what it was to be. So I, I learned from that. I said, maybe I have a certain version of a beat that I make for MCs, but then I could take that same rhythm and give it to a trumpet player Word. or a piano player or a poet. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I have an idea to take the melody in that rhythm and switch styles into a whole nother genre like EDM. So one musical element, a harmony, a rhythm, a melody could continue on into other areas of sound, of culture. And so that's how the concept of applying version and having different versions allows me to finish a work and then say, oh, I got this idea for another version of that. And I'm going to make it like that. And I'm going to get this artist from Jamaica to do a version. I'm going to get this artist from Canada to do a version. Now I have a Canadian version, mm -hmm. a dance hall version. And that way I keep allowing the music to evolve as it relates to other people. Word, word. Um, let's see. 
I like this question. Um, who was the first person to believe in your talent and how has that encouragement um, affected your art? I say, yeah, it was my mother. Mm. Rest in power. She was just killed a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh my gosh. And um, I'm still, I've still been in recovery. Me and my children have still been recovering from that yeah. loss. Yeah, but no I remember playing. Here. Actually, you know, now that you ask that, it's powerful because I remember when I was a teenager, I taught myself how to play piano. And I made a recording on a cassette tape for my mother. Mm-hmm. And when she heard me playing the piano, she cried and she thought it was so beautiful. And it was actually that song that I started with, the Moonlight Sonata that she, she heard. And I remember when I showed her my first rhymes and she wanted to help me with my rhymes because I really didn't know how to say the rhyme as much as I knew how to write the rhyme. Mm. And so when she tried to say it, she gave it a whole soul sonic force, you know, late 70s hip hop style. I was like, nah, ma, that sucks. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because I give, um, I give a lot of credit to my mother for being there as a teenager, seeing when this would start to give me the inspiration to do this. Man, that's beautiful. Um, if you wouldn't mind, could we go into um, your first piece, um, Dealer's Choice, if you want to play piano or if you want to rhyme or uh, recite a poem, it's, um, it's up to you. Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I did want to say that what I finished with before was actually improvisation. And uh, I was freestyling, as you could say, at the end uh, I don't know if you dope. noticed when I don't know if you noticed when I went from the moonlight sonata to just flowing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, why why don't you let me know what you would like? Would you like me to play the piano some more, or would you be able to bring up one of the videos from the jazz session, or would mm-hmm. you like to save that for later? Uh, we can do a video now, and um... yeah, because I'd like to you know, reintroduce myself to the audience, take the mask off. Got you, got you. Turn the light on and, you know, kind of get deeper into the conversation like that. Word. All right, I got um, a couple videos here. Uh, which one are you feeling? Um, How about African Sun Rising? Africa Sunrise. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. There we go. Sorry, guys, I was in the wrong format. File format. All right, y'all. There we go. So let's pause that there. All right, guys, we're going to get into this video. So I'm going to share my screen. We're going to get into this video, and then we'll be back in about two minutes. All right. So please enjoy. I got this, guys. I know how to share my screen now. Okay, turn the light on. Mika, I need a towel. Uh, Hey, Tito, you got to mute yourself. We can still hear you. All right, guys, let's do this. 
they encountered the sweetest type of comrade they had ever seen. Echoed from generation to generation, this identity of fierce fighter and loving comrade is not only that of the Arawakan Taino but also of the Cubans and all the people of the Caribbean. I can look back now and also see clearly my ancestors who were indigenous to these lands, as well as my African ancestors. Because with a careful and deep look to our family trees, I think we all see a handsome African man and a beautiful African woman with a smile, even hopeful for the future they could only dream of for their children. The relationships between Native people and African people and the struggle against what is incorrect goes back for over five centuries. And today, that solidarity continues in Cuba. Cuba represents a beacon of strength and hope for all humanity, all nations. Lead the way, Cuba, towards global victory over oppression, corrupt and wicked capitalism, and towards pan-Caribbean unity. I offer this song to honor Cuba, all its people, and our shared African and Taino, Sibone, and Arawakan, and Playing from Galaxy A7. All right, y'all, we're going to get back into some of that later, but we're going to hop back into this interview. I shared my screen successfully. Um, I feel quite accomplished. I don't know about you. All right, all right. What's up, Tito? How you doing, man? I'm good, but I was hoping you would have gotten to the song. The song was about to come on. That was just like an introduction that we had put together because mm -hmm. last year, unbeknownst to many Americans, mm -hmm. Cuba has been really marching across the world uh, on a mission to assist nations with their medical uh, needs, especially in, in countries that are, um, let's say, not at the top of uh, the totem pole, you know? Gotcha. And so this is before the pandemic started. Cuba had established over a decade ago an international medical program to teach people from around the world in the poorest communities <coughs> for free to become doctors on the one condition that they go back to their community or they go somewhere in the world where people need medical help and offer their services for free for two years. So wait, Cuba, like um, independent um, doctors in Cuba or um, the Cuban government are teaching are uh, teaching doctors to how to be doctors for free and then send the, sending them back off into their um, communities? Yeah, that's the idea is that the Cuban government mm -hmm. as an extension of their socialist medical program, which basically means the best medical care for free for all their citizens over a decade ago, established an international medical school 
where they would offer people from around the world, Africa, Asia, South America, an opportunity to come to their country, mm-hmm. be trained on how to be doctors, certified doctors. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they ask for in return is that they do two years of humanitarian service somewhere in the world. That alongside so many other unbelievable progresses that Cuba has made, including when we consider being just off the borders of the United States territory. And while they're attempting to have these type of humanitarian milestones Mm. often being uh, attempts to sabotage, attempts to derail, attempts to downplay their impact globally by the United States. But that mm. didn't change the way Africa feels about Cuba mm-hmm. or Asia. And mm. so last year, Cuba was one of the first nations to send doctors around the planet to help countries, especially in rural territories, and they were able to stave off the type of uh, pandemic that we saw in this country. Mm. You see, why didn't you hear about the type of numbers like we've had in Florida and New York and in California? And why not? Mm-hmm. Because of Cuba. But the United States isn't going to tell people that, unfortunately. And so last year, Cuba had created um, this program uh, to help with the pandemic. It was extremely successful. Um, The U.S. government did not take the opportunity to learn from their protocols and procedures and to the demise of thousands and thousands of human souls. And um, as a result, um, Africa wanted to do something to thank them. Mm-hmm. And so they had an international benefit concert called um, Africa Loves Cuba, a benefit concert thanking Cuba for their contributions to uh, the pan- you know, their services internationally during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. so all you heard was the intro. All you heard what I was saying, that was like the intro to the, the song that we, we, we put together a video for. And mm-hmm. so I'd like to come back to that if possible, because um, I like that song. That's why I, that's why you asked me which one. I said I picked that right. song because um, we'll talk more about it. But that that was a song that took me months to to work to to put together. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of extensive research, and I actually uh, rhyme in seven different indigenous languages within the the lyrical content of that particular song. What? Yes. Okay. Hold on. Uh, uh, okay. Y'all heard what he said, right? Okay. Uh, there, there's no better time than the present. So let's All hop right. back into that. And um, I, I really want to hear this song. And the for those of you who aren't um, artists, first of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for watching the stream. But um, the, the amount of concentration and how incredibly hard it is to write a song and uh, being engulfed in, in, in a project for months is mind-bendingly frustrating. So uh, artists, one, need more respect, definitely need to be paid. And um, 
witnessing the hard work and um, is is one of the few things we should do to support artists. So let's hop into that song and listen to it. Now I'm awesome. going to share Thank my you. screen again. I'm getting better Thank at you. this. <laughs> All right, let's rock and roll because I, I don't know about you guys, but I want to hear the seven different languages. Uh, I got this guys. Don't worry. Maybe you should worry a little bit. Nope. Today's the day. Mm-hmm. Aha. See, you thought I lost it, didn't you? All right, we're gonna hop into right about here. So my internet's having a, a, a fun old time. Fun old time. We're gonna get there, guys. Ah.
Hey. Oh, man. There we go. Yo, Tito, that was bomb. Right? Uh, Brittany said, uh, that was dope. Agreed, homie. Agreed. That was dope. Um, so I have a million and one questions for you. Okay. Uh, question one, what languages were you speaking? I'm sorry. Can you ask that again? I'm having sure. a little technical difficulty. We no worries. Um, can you hear me now? Say again? Can you hear me now? How about that? Um, yeah, I hear you. You're low, there but I hear go. you. Uh-oh. I can see your arm. I mean, that's good. All right, I'm back. There we go. Um, what languages were you speaking in that video? Uh, spoke Swahili. I spoke Taino. I spoke Cree. I spoke Portuguese, Spanish, English. I spoke, uh, let's see what else, Zulu. Mm -hmm. I was in essence trying to speak the languages of the uh, diaspora mm -hmm. because the idea of the song was rooted in a uh, question about um, the martial arts styles that evolved. Uh, we, we sometimes hear about uh, what's it called? capoeira, capoeira. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was in a capoeira class and, and, and I had this beat that I was working on at the time and I didn't want to rush it. I didn't want to force it. Uh, you know, I like inspiration to come to me as I'm living life. And then in, in that class, I heard the name of a move, helicoptero. Mm -hmm. You know, and I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if I could make a whole song with different wordplay around the names of martial arts moves. So I got to doing some research. I said, you know, started off simple, right? What's the name of these martial arts moves? But as I started digging more into the history of Capoeira and how it started, mm -hmm. I actually learned something very profound. What's that? That the amount of slaves that went south is way more than the amount of slaves that came north. Mm -hmm. And the maroon pants, the the, 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 the the slaves who fought and worked to escape their conditions, they were named quilombos. And that's the name of like a group of uh, martial artists. But because I know maroons, because I studied the history of the relationship between African peoples and indigenous peoples very closely, as, as much as I can, you know, I said, wow, there's this whole arc across the Caribbean where there's various martial arts styles that still are practiced and exist across Brazil, the Caribbean, and uh, Angola. You know, many people know the story of Shaka Zulu and the Zulus. And so I said, why don't I just go ahead and incorporate words and, and ideas and elements from all these martial arts styles so that one day, today with you 
we could have this talk and I could share this information with people in the hopes that they will not only work to reclaim their heritage as new Africans mm. or as indigenous or as perhaps the two, but also understand that our relationships are like a poem that's retold again and again from generation to generation mm-hmm. and that our language, our relationship as peoples goes back over 500 years. Hmm. Wow. Uh, first, I'm going to, are we going back to the piano? So, no, Would you not. like to? Um, that is always a yes for me. But before we get into that, uh, Brittany had a message for you. Uh, Brittany Lady Poetry Stroud said, I was born in Baha'i, B-A-H-I-A-A. Bahia? Uh, but I am, say it again. Is it Bahia in Brazil? Sure. But I am Cape Verdean and, uh, but I am Cape Verdean, the first slave port. Thank you for sharing knowledge about the diaspora. Right on, Brittany. Word. Right. All power to the people. Right. Um, before we get into the um, piano, I have to ask, what's in your hand? What are you holding? I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, before we get into the piano, I have to ask, what's in your hand? What are you holding? Uh, we can't hear you. Okay, I'm there back. Can you hear me good now? Yes. All right, this. Mm-hmm. You want to know what this is? Uh, I want to know what the whole thing is and, and what it represents. I'm not going to tell you. Why not? No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I tell you what, how about we come back to this in a little bit? Word, I'm cool with that. All right, because we've been doing a lot of talking. Maybe we should give them some music, some vibes. Wow, let's get into some music. So which way you want to go? You want to go more towards hip-hop or you want to come back towards the piano? Ooh, uh, let's go more towards hip-hop. Let's all see right, if we can all right, fall let me into. put this to the side. And uh, my children, who are in the background here, Hello, have encouraged me to spit a verse. Anybody want to pop in? You got your yeah. hat, Mika, your purple hat? Mm-hmm. He's about to pop in. So they encouraged me to uh, spit a verse mm-hmm. because they felt like, you know, mm-hmm. he's my son. One of the, young the youngest member of the New Ever Young Lords in the whole New York State. Ten-year-old, new generation, young community activist. Beatboxer, go ahead, do a beatbox. <laughs> come on, come on, you do better than that. He's a little shy sometimes. It's all right. His name is Mika. What's Mika up, Mika? Olin. My name is T. It's nice yeah, to so meet he you. wants me to do my verse, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to do right now his favorite verse that right, I've been saying. It. I'm doing that for them, but I'm also doing it for you. Thank you. All right, tell me if you hear the beat. Special technique of shadow boxing. Yeah. 
You know how we do. You hear me good? What? Can you hear me? I can hear can you. Can you hear me now? This is Grandmaster Iron Fist. Doing it up like this. Grab my slate pen. The only tool I use to cut through made men. One year low, 100 miles to go, walking down the red road. Got a lot done in the hot sun with the slow flow. Sometimes I rhyme quick, animalistic. She put that lipstick that make my tip thick. Beyond that slick spit that make my wig split. Talk about that feminine overseer. Overseer, 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 officer. Fuck corrupt cops, CIA, FBI, ATF, my my. Damn if I lie, fuck them. Fuck them all till the day that I die. Then I woke up, boots on the ground. Feel surrounded by clowns, boo horn sound. Then I'm down, then I'm up, then I'm down again. Drawing the alcohol, smoking the cause of many men. Machiavellian, they need to practice and they need oxygen. TB and an EP lessons from vision. Quest done without no question. They need fun in the sun. Let freedom ring from Mongolia to Cuban, from Venezuela to the North Pole. These Neanderthals and lost their soul on the road to try to control that which cannot be contained or controlled. Ha 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 ha, laddie, little child, go party. This a young North party, be a layup on the shoddy. Rebel hottie toddy, try to touch my body, you work, huh? What you thought, comrade, I was a jerk? No. I'm a dad, love to make oppressors mad when they shot in their pants. I'ma do a happy dance. If you can't understand what I said, then give me one more chance. Like Biggie Man's Tony Dan. You now rolling with a champ, Grandmaster. Free them all, free them all, take them to Maroon's camp. And I'ma say it again. Free them all, free them all, take them to Maroon's camp. Free them all, free them all, take them to Maroon's camp. And that's the Grandmaster Iron Fist. And this is the Rebel Vision, doing it up since 1997. This is that 90s style, keeping it real ill, hip-hop profile. I'm from the stat in the aisle, you know how we do. I'm representing shout, just like the woo. I got two seeds, and I give them all they need, and I'm a rock the fake piss until they bleed. It's just the seeds that I spit with. My whole style flow mass move like it's liquid. You can't touch what comes out of a touch. I smoke mad blunts back in the day. Now I don't rush because my lungs is caving in. Just like a lot of people that they try to save them in. And it's just misbehaving when freestyle off the top of the dome. You know I'm sick. My whole life people said, yo, you can rip. What's your name? Can I buy your tape? And I'm like, yo, my name is Fist. Plus I'm great. So don't hate or perpetrate. I move city to city and state to state. Warm your heart and your toes with frogs. And you know how we do, we rock the whole beat. We rock the whole beat, freestyle, written, whatever. Word. Um, whose beat is that? Is that your beat? No, that was actually an old Wu-Tang beat called Shadow Boxing from the Jizza. That's Shadow Boxing? Yeah. Holy sh oh, wait. Uh, yeah, I can cuss. Sorry, I forgot where I was for a second. Um, damn, I didn't even recognize that shit. <laughs> That's dope. Um, so you had this one line, uh, walking down the red road. That reminded me so much of like Georgia roads because there's it's like this red clay dirt shit, you know, all over Georgia. So that that brought me back. Um, <laughs> these Neanderthals lost their souls. I like that. I like that. But remember, see, I don't know if you caught the whole line. I said, 
these Neanderthals done lost their soul on the road to try to control that which cannot be contained or controlled. Damn. Yes. And uh, this past week's um, uh, kerfuffle in Texas has definitely uh, pinpointed that. Um, Rebel Hottie Toddy, bro. That's tight. I love that. Rebel Hottie Toddy. Um, Staten Island. Did you say you're from Staten Island? What's that? You said the um, the island that's Staten Oh, Staten Island. You from Staten Island? Yeah, I grew up on Staten Island. Out of here. I grew up on Long Island. Yeah, that's right. Strong Island, baby. Born that's right. My family's originally from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. But things were so crazy that my mother tried to escape. She tried to flee the insanity. And she went way far away off to the island of Staten Island where nobody goes. <laughs> you know, Very that's true. real far away. But you got to understand that my family's been in the in the struggle for generations. And plus, we go back in New York City for like five or six generations. Damn. And my family represents the mixed family kind of thing for like at least four generations. So when you say mixed family kind of thing, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is that I'm not like Puerto Rican like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not that type of person. I identify with my indigenous heritage, mm -hmm. and I've come to learn, thanks to the Zulu Nation, thanks to my relationship with hip-hop community, mm -hmm. I came to learn that I'm actually Taino. What is Taino? Taino is the tribe of the peoples from the Caribbean. I also learned that I was Oglala Lakota. Mm -hmm. What's, uh, where are they from? They're from the plains. That's like one of those famous tribes you know, that, that fought back, gotcha. you know, uh, um, you a lot of famous um, warriors and Plains and... Indians who, you know, kicked ass and they still kicking ass to this day. Like I, 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 I've been in touch with a lot of people over these last few years that are coming from there today. Like the whole, uh, the quota pipeline thing. Yeah. You know, like that's part of our story. That's the continued legacy of fighting for the earth, fighting for rights, fighting for people. Like, it goes for hundreds of years now in these struggles. Right. So I have that, right? And I identify mm -hmm. with that. But I also have African heritage in me, you know? Mm -hmm. Like my Y chromosome is directly handed to me through the generations of the males. My father, my father's father, my father's father's father. The first Rivera was actually an African slave who was owned by a Spaniard who traveled between the Caribbean and Africa. Mm -hmm. So my great-great-grandfather's name was Francisco de Rivera. That de in Spanish, de means of, or like the property of Rivera. So gotcha. he actually got okay. given his name, even though I'm sure that wasn't his original name and his tribal name. Mm -hmm. And that's how the name comes to me. And that also helps me to understand why certain vibrations, certain frequencies, I could be like, you know, connected to. It's mm -hmm. because I have that connection to Africa. I have that connection in my DNA. You know what I mean? And the code of my being is right directly connected to Africa. Even though I don't look African to most people by today's standards, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I also have, of course, the Spaniard. I have Irish. And so my great-grandfather was from Ireland. Came to the, you know, New York City. Uh, they were being oppressed by the British. Mm 
And so, you know, I searched down every avenue of my family tree and all I found was poor people, people who struggled, working class people, and people who fought against the system of oppression. Um, speak, thinking about that, when you said that you research your your family tree. Mm-hmm. I know there are so many people who would like to do the same and I'm not really sure how to do that. What advice would you give someone who wants to do what you what you've done to research um, where you come from in your family? How do you start? Well what I would suggest is that they reach out to you. You get a list of names going mm-hmm. and we start a work group. Yo, I'm down with that. Y'all and heard what that? I would do is I would come in to provide direction. Mm-hmm. and help empower people just the same way I did it for me. I showed mm-hmm. them the techniques, the tricks, where to go. And, you know, one thing about me is I'm a modern-day hunter and gatherer. I came to understand that, that that's who I am. You know, different people trying to find their identity around sexuality, around class, you know, already, you know, broke free from the, the, the plantation. So now I'm really going deeper. Mm-hmm. Understand how do I need to live where I can feel my strength and my power, my connection to the earth, my connection to the universe, to the creator. Mm-hmm. So I came to understand that there was different stages of human evolution, right? You dig? What? The original man was a hunter and gatherer. Then came the agrarian. Then came industrialism. So when I came to realize this is why I don't always get along with certain people. This is why I'm different. Because I don't need shit. I don't need no car. I don't need no money. I don't need none of this stuff that most people wrap their whole mind and their whole life around. Thank you. My daughter just reminded me of this. I'm going to take a pause on that. I'm going to put this on to show love to my young lord family. This actually was a gift to me from Eric Luciano. You know who that is? I don't. Who is that? Eric Luciano is currently the president or the chairperson or the cacique mm-hmm. of the Florida chapter of the New Era Young Lords. Um, I was reading your, your profile and I saw the Young Lords a couple times and I remember that name um, in my youth, um, the Young Lords. Could you um, do a, a bit of a, a small deep dive into the Young Lords and um, who they are and, and what they stand for? Okay, so have you ever heard of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense? Damn right. Okay, good. That's a good starting point. So let me ask you another question. Have you ever heard of the Rainbow Coalition? Oh, for sure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you must have heard of Fred Hampton. Oh, yes. Okay. So have you ever heard of the Young Patriots? The Young Patriots. No, who's that? Oh, okay. We're doing this a quick revolutionary education political assessment. Let's do okay, it. So do it. you heard of the Young Lords, but you don't know much more. Yes. So I'm going to fill in some blanks. So in Chicago, the chairman of the Black Panther Party chapter for Illinois, his name was Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm actually Fred Hampton Sr. And if you haven't had the chance to check it out, you better go check out that movie they just put out. The the the, the Black Judas one. The, Word. Y'all go you check know which one out. I'm talking about on HBO Max? Yeah. 
And while you at it, if you out there listening, go get a pen and paper, put up the notepad because you need to go check that movie out. And while you want HBO Max, you need to check out 40 Years a Slave or, or 40 Years uh, a Prisoner or something like that. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but my, no, no, my you're main right. man, 40 years a slave. my main man, my bestie from another testie, Mike Africa Jr. and the Move Organization. He got a documentary about what he'd been through 40 years dealing with this oppression and his parents being locked up since he was born. So if you ain't never heard of Mike Africa Jr., you ain't never heard of the Move 8, you ain't never heard of the Philadelphia bombing when the United States government dropped a bomb on a city block. You know what I'm saying? You might as well go check out that documentary on HBO Max either before as like a, a get like what do you call that? Foreplay. Before you drop the whole Judas and the Black Messiah, you know, film with some popcorn. Tonight, if you got HBO Max, you better tune in after this show. And then hit 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 my sister up. You know? Uh, and let's start this there's class. too like, much so work to be that. done and too many people that just want to sit back smoking and drinking and trying to get money. We need so many more people to step up and put their time in to get this education. And to contribute at least a few of their hours in their week towards helping to preserve our heritage and our culture as peoples. That's where we find solidarity. So I say this all to you because as important as it is for Black people to know about Black history, mm -hmm. I would say Indigenous people need African studies too. Mm -hmm. And if you were down as white brother, you need African studies too. But also Black people need to take some Indigenous studies. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to learn about each other's heritage. So I say all of that because you can't understand the Rainbow Coalition without understanding about Fred Hampton, about understanding about the Black Panthers, but also understand who the Young Lords are. The Young Lords organization was founded in Chicago by Jose Chacha Jimenez, David Rivera Sr., and seven young men, actually teenagers, mm -hmm. to protect and defend the community of Boricuas, of Puerto Ricans and other Spanish speakers who were also dealing with quite a bit of oppression and depression and exploitation at that time. Mm -hmm. And so it was Fred Hampton's vision to bring together white people, mm -hmm. brown people, red people, black people, all oppressed people, all poor people, and come together as what was the original Rainbow Coalition. All right, so the Young Lords was founded in Chicago. And when a group of young brothers and sisters who were kind of, you know, already interested in the movement to do the same thing for Puerto Ricans and people of Spanish-speaking descent who were already working alongside the Black Panthers in New York City, they drove out to Chicago and got the green light to start the Young Lords organization in New York, which became known as the Young Lords Party. Mm -hmm. And we can have a whole nother show on this. And if anybody's interested, I've been working on creating a national political education exchange program where once people get involved, we could plug them into free educational workshops, events, online film screenings, right. and other opportunities so they can understand about their civic responsibility as it relates to, first and foremost, serving their heritage, serving their ancestors, and serving their comrades, serving their friends, 
you know, uh, wherever they come from. But understanding our perspective is that we ain't trying to be slaves no more. And we ain't trying to see other people be oppressed and exploited no more. And we can't allow this to continue anymore. We're running out of time on this earth. And we have to come together. And you you know, how do you know what to do? You got to get trained. You got to get orientation. You got to know your history, your heritage, or how mm-hmm. your ancestors have fought. But then learn of that history as it relates to your comrades. So then when you look at me, any tinge of thinking that, oh, this is just some white guy. Maybe he's masquerading. Maybe he's a faker. You know, that shit goes out the window. Because today, the oppressor has learned how to create all type of psychological programming. You know, you could be sitting right next to a person that looked black on the outside, but they white devils on the inside. Hmm. And they could look like a Latino and Spanish. They could have all the style. But on the inside, they got that slaver, you know, overseer mentality. Mm-hmm. So we got to go deeper beyond the superficial and understand the heritage of liberation and share that knowledge that we could stand together strong and never be divided by the tactics of the enemy that would conquer us and keep us down. So the young lords are just as much a part of that uh, lineage mm-hmm. as the young patriots, who is a group of uh, uh, down-ass white brothers and sisters, the white panther party, the brown panther party. There's a white panther party? Yes, that's what I'm trying to tell you, man. I'm like, I'm like Morpheus coming up out of you know the Matrix and on y'all trying like, to tell y'all what's really going on because they do their damnedest to try to keep people ignorant about how many brothers and sisters are gonna lose their lives, lose their freedom this week, right now, and most people out there, they learning about stuff that maybe happened what 30 years ago, 40 years ago. We gotta get y'all up to speed. There's all types of wonderful, beautiful efforts of grassroots organizing, but they don't got the million dollar marketing budget like Red Cross and like some of these other not-for-profits and groups. And what also makes it harder is the intelligence programs. Now, today, with data and technology, it just became so much easier for them to suppress it. So you could find a group to start with, white, black, brown, red, or whatever, that's going to put you on the track to liberation. Uh, Brittany Lady Poetry Stroud said, I would love uh, to invest time and resources in this. So I believe she was talking about um, your global initiative, um, National Political Exchange Program. Where can we find more information about that? Um, How can people um, not just follow you, but uh, get more information about what that is and how to join it? Well, at this time, I would suggest that if you have anybody that uh, is interested and they follow up with you, mm-hmm. my first move is always to form kind of like, a, as we said before, a work group. Mm-hmm. If you have people interested in the political exchange program, let's get them together. Let's set up a Zoom in the next week. Let's do introductions. Let's get orientated. I'll share all the details, determine what they could bring and what's Mm -hmm. left to be stood up. Uh, We were talking about the new ever young lords. And so kind of what my, what I do is I'm a, a, what what we call as a development specialist. My job is to assess the needs of the community and design and develop strategy, tactics, 
that I ultimately publish through direct correspondence with mm -hmm. all the frontline leadership and the organizations. Where do you publish these? It like it says all underground. Wait, what do you mean? It goes directly to the person that needs to hear it. I, I still don't know what that means. Um, so you you write up um, development, your development specialist, and you know you you assess the needs of community, and then you write. I guess I call it like a a summary of what what you found, and then you give it and back proposals to the and 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 you know that's the idea. But like the reality is, the reason why we're underground is because a lot of people are going to be murdered. A lot of people are going to have their family members harassed and attacked. Um, the there's very few people that are ready to do this type of work above board. Mm -hmm. Like I said, my mother was just killed six weeks ago. I had a daughter killed six months ago. Um, these are the pause, types of pause. Just time out. Time out. Um, the, uh, so you're first of all, I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, so so sorry for your loss. Um, was your mother and your daughter murdered? Um, because of your justice work? Is that what you're saying? At this time, there's no way to know for sure. But my gut instinct says that these um, levels of political theater keep that possibility on the range and that it would be prudent for me to be, uh, over time, advocating for the resources to do the type of investigation necessary. But as most people should know, although most people may want to keep their eyes closed, the federal government has many rogue units operating in domestic territory at this time. Do you mean like a CIA? Yeah, well, that's or... why I said in my verse, fuck corrupt CIA, FBI, ATF, my oh my. So you're Damn saying that the CIA lie, fuck has them. black, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like black, black operations. Here? You say un like they have their underground, they have their black ops, they have their rogue units. And what's happening is, is that there is a very good contingent of wonderful, beautiful, talented, amazing human beings in some of these agencies, mm -hmm. in the military and so forth, in policing. But the problem is they underestimated what the impact of allowing certain techniques for population control, such as psychological manipulations, um, and then when you introduce the technological aspect of what's been happening, um, the closest metaphor I can imagine is if you've seen any of the Marvel movies, because, you know, I love Marvel comics. I'm still, you know, a comic head. How about you? Uh, I love Marvel. I am a DC cat. I love me some Batman. I just, I don't know. I love it. You know what I did Word. here? I heard the most upsetting thing about Batman and it hurt my heart. Someone told me that Batman's superpower is white privilege, and I haven't been the same ever since. <laughs> I, feel <laughs> I'm I feel you, but just, but that's the I say that because if you know Captain America, you know the whole arc about Hydra mm -hmm. and how they infiltrated um, um, Shield. Mm -hmm. So you know, like that. That's that's the metaphor, but in reality. The the, cir the 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 circumstances and the consequences are so much more bleak for humanity. Mm -hmm. So much resources have to be put towards trying to determine how do you conduct a stratagem 
that can remove this type of corruption and wickedness from in some of the most sensitive locations within our government. And when you speak up about it, um, they have developed very uh, uh, surgical methods for maintaining power and control. So that once you've done the political education, once you've determined and you've learned about what they already have done, you know, 50 years ago, what they were capable of, and then you try to speed up the clock and come up to now, and then you do some analysis on what technology allows them to do, and you do some research on what some of the most advanced scientific breakthroughs are in these areas, you come to see a much clearer picture that if you choose to be involved at a level where you would call yourself a revolutionary, mm-hmm. no matter how many allies that you can uh, manage to gain, mm-hmm. the power of some of these organizations operating domestically is frightening. Mm-hmm. Now, some might say, you had a chance to stop talking all this uh, garbage about police brutality and corrupt government, but you chose not to. And so one day, your daughter gets in her car, and the brakes don't work no more, and a truck hits her. It's, it, what, what resources does a poor, single-parent, hip-hop revolutionary have to force the hand of the bodies within our lands that have the power and authority to properly investigate this? You think they're going to investigate my little family's situation, like they're going to investigate the Twin Towers being knocked down? Hell no. Um, I did read somewhere that um, Biden is going to release the um, the 9-11... Uh, oh, that... Uh, there was a, a, a 9-11... I'll just say files, because there, there's another word I can't find, but um, they're supposed to release those files within the next month. Do you think in those files we'll find anything that will give us um, answers to what happened? Or do you think there's any truth in the files that will be released um, by the government? I think until we come to terms with the fact that there is higher levels of power than the presidency of the United States, until we begin ready to have an honest conversation about what the underbelly of these societies and these uh, super government agencies is, we won't be allowed to know the full measure of what their stratagems and, 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 and methods have been. Gotcha. Perhaps they're going to wait till all the uh, counterparts are on their deathbeds or gone before we get the full measure of truth. Just like there's a lot of truths about what happened in the 60s that still didn't come out for a long time, even to this date. Most people don't realize that Martin Luther King Jr.'s mother is a martyr. In addition to the fact that Martin Luther King Jr.'s mother was killed, murdered, he was as well by the U.S. federal government. Mm -hmm. So what the hell you think they're going to do for me? Maybe in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, at some point, they're going to come out and say, oh, wow, the, U- the government was doing these really bad things. And there was this group that was allowed to operate. 
you know, that, that was that was orchestrating these types of things. So I had to make a choice. Am I going to fold now? Or am I going to dig my heels in and fight harder for justice and liberation? And I decided to dig my heels in mm-hmm. and fight harder. Um, damn. Uh, I've had so much information. I'm just trying to like uh, get it all through my head. Word up. Thank you for letting me share. No, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. We have about another 20 minutes before we got to call it quits, but I do have a million questions for you. Um, you know what? I want to ask this. I try to ask this of, of all my guests guests, and I always get a different answer. Um, what parts of your talent impresses you? I'm sorry, say that again? What parts of your talent impresses you? Uh, the ability to see the future. Ooh, yes, let's get into that. So uh, what do you mean by that? I have a gift. You have a gift. Um, so when you say see into the future, do you mean like uh, being clairvoyant, um, feeling the energy around you and knowing how to move with it or um, like a, a visual vision of the future? I would say that there is a connection between each one of us and the universe. The more layers of toxicity that we mount on top of our spiritual mind, spiritual heart, the more difficult it becomes to feel, to see, to hear. But as you begin to do the process of rehumanizing yourself, as you have those moments of breakthroughs, you'll discover things that you never believed were possible. Hmm. I believe that a human being is capable of sensing and feeling and hearing and seeing things in their spiritual body and mind that goes beyond the moment, that connects that part of us that is temporal to the part of us that is eternal. And when you do that humbly, and with the right spiritual attenuation, mm-hmm. you can see things of the past and you can see things of the future. You could rise to a higher dimension of existence. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the leadership of our civilization attempts to exploit and control and enslave many. Mm-hmm. But what I say to you is that this is possible for every human being. Mm-hmm. that's so cool thank you um, very much so I've been listening to music since ever I just I love music is there an album that you can put headphones on and just disappear into is that a thing you've ever done yeah yeah what was that album for you you know there was this guy I think his name was Vic, Victor uh, Creed, uh, like Creed Taylor Mm-hmm. Creed Taylor was a producer of uh, modern jazz and blues that 
just his whole vibration, his whole sound was amazing to me. Anything by Creed Taylor, anything produced by Creed Taylor, just the engineering was just so awesome. I loved it. On a hip hop tip, I would say, um, like uh, e Reflection Eternal, Talib Kweli. You know, that first album just to me was like a, a amazing. Um, Jay Dilla, you know, Jay Dilla has a whole collection of instrumentals. Um, my, I would say the first album I did that with was Mary J. Blige, What's the 411? Stop. God, I love you know? Mr. Mary. Mm. Yeah, like just from the beginning to the end of that whole album, she's like, to me, is amazing, unbelievable. Um, Daft Punk. You know, Daft Punk actually has a couple of albums that I think is like on, on, on the next level. Um, Bob Marley, uh, Peter Tosh, uh, you know, both of them, you know, whatever they produce from beginning to end. And, you know, Nas, Nas, since like the first album, you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s got shaky. It was like hip hop was struggling to keep its soul. But, um, you know, I definitely say the last few projects by Nas were solid from beginning to end. Yeah, I like The King is Dead. I don't care if people don't like it. Like, I don't, it feels like Queensbridge, like old Nas, but like way more chill. Like, Nas is already chill, but like way less, I guess. I think as as a rapper uh, becomes successful, what they rap about has to change because their lives are changing. You can't, don't tell me that you make $40 million a year and you're still out in these streets. I don't wanna hear that. That's what I like about Nas is that he stays current. That's one of the things I don't love about Eminem. I feel you on that. And you know what else? If you listen to his collabo album with Damian Marley, mm -hmm. That's really where I feel he came back to the, his center because there's so many ways to write and create on an infinite number of themes, but ensure that you're grounded in the correct principles and eternal principles that will speak to human, you know, human humanity. Yeah. So really how much money you have and the metaphors and many words you could flip, that's not really going to be something that lasts. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about human issues, human rights issues, and figuring out how to convey that message to your audience. And also recognizing that if you're blessed to have an audience that will follow you, conveying the human rights issues of your community. You know, when you put that into metaphor, when you put that into simile, that ain't never going to get old. Damn right. All right, we're all coming to the end. Um, I want to ask one more question, and um, if we can end... With a uh, piano, that that would be great. Right on. So um, I'm not sure if you saw the Mary J. Blige documentary, but um, in it, she talks about her younger self and how much she had to not only forgive the person that she used to be, but um, learning how to talk kindly to um, her broken self, her younger self, and her new self. Um, as an artist and as a person who seems to be in tune with yourself, what advice would you have um, anyone who is trying to do what Mary has done? 
which is learn how to grow from the person you used to be and teach yourself how to be better while being kind to yourself? Um, that's a really long ass question, but um, I was just wondering how you feel about the idea of um, growing from the person you used to be to the person you are and doing so while being kind to yourself. So let me see if I could understand what you're saying. Mary J. Blige spoke about how she went through a process of personal growth mm -hmm. and how she was able to be kind to herself as she was doing so. Mm -hmm. She had to learn how to do so, but yes. Yes. Okay. Let me start by saying that Mary J. Blige, you, me, maybe some of the audience, we were actually born slaves in most cases. What does that mean? That means, in essence, the techniques for controlling a person have gradually shifted in their design. And when people think of the term slavery, they might think of people like Harriet Tubman and they might think of people like Nat Turner and they might think of a setting which is actually kind of ancient now, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea that there was chains, metal, fabricated to hold your arms or hold your legs. And they might think of a person having a whip. But just like phone, communication technology once had a cord but now it doesn't have a cord, right? The technology changed for communications. Mm -hmm. Well, the technology for slavery has changed too. And so what's happening today is many people are being submitted depending on their location, the strength of the abolitionist and liberation movement within their jurisdiction, the power of the uh, uh, the progeny of the uh, uh, slave system, which includes slave masters, overseers, slave traders. And uh, in relationship to those two bodies and the societies that ultimately operate within the infrastructure of our domestic uh, communities, people will be exposed to some level of what I'm calling kind of like a protocol, psychological, sociological, biological, chemical, economic uh, methods for in essence, predetermining what that person's gonna be capable of, allowed to do, not allowed to do, where they're gonna go, where they're not gonna go. And you could have somebody who's in essence a slave today living right next door to somebody who's a slave master. The boundaries are no longer north, south, east, west, right? In essence, it's all interwoven into the fabric of our society today. And this is ultimately the tension points for where you can have somebody who's, let's say, a seventh generation grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan running a big corporation in Pennsylvania and then you could have a group like in Philadelphia, like the Roots. And you might say, well, what could possibly be the connection between those two? 
Well, there are millions of people today who are being raised in households where the water is poisonous, where the air is toxic, where the food industrial complex has been set up as a part of the mosaic Mm -hmm. of toxifying their mind and their body. Uh, Youth diseases are on the rise. Obesity is on the rise. Mental health disorders are on the rise. Drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol are prevalent in these communities. This is part of the interconnectedness between the medical industrial complex and the prison industrial complex and the uh, food industrial complex, right? And so they're creating this environment. I mean, I grew up in that inside of the New York ghetto, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you could relate to what I'm saying too. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, we are being programmed biologically, chemically, almost from conception to be exploitable, to be depressed, to be responsive to the social triggers and the psychological triggers that have been put mm-hmm. in our environment. And this is the connection back to your question about Mary J. Mm-hmm. Because she had to go through a process of personal rediscovery personal re-education, mm-hmm. personal deprogramming. She had to awaken to the reality of what it meant to be a black woman born in these lands. And when you start to encounter yourself, when you start to realize not only how dehumanized you were, hmm. but also how you may have dehumanized others along the way, mm-hmm. you could get really down, right? Yeah you can start to realize that you actually could have been at a moment to help liberate somebody, but you actually helped push them back on the path to exploitation and oppression as you are trying to climb out from that condition. Mm -hmm. And when you encounter the economics of what's considered success, I'm sure that brings a whole nother level of psychological and sociological and economic manipulations. So when you make mistakes along the way, like like in our movement, we say if you ain't working for the revolution, then you count to revolutionary. Like if what you're doing goes against what people are trying to do to create change, that's what it means to be a counter revolutionary. And so me, myself, there's times that I relapse psychologically or emotionally into the man that I was when I was 20 and all I wanted to do was smoke blunts hit up shorties and make beats and rhymes, right? You might not have heard from this whole interview, that kind of character is where Mm -hmm. I had to come through. But you also heard me say, I grew up, my family grew up in struggle. Like that's all we knew. Mm -hmm. Gangsterism is woven into my DNA just as much as being Taino. Mm -hmm. So I could relate to Mary J. Blige. I could relate to Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston. I could relate to Biggie Smalls, to mm-hmm. Tupac. You know, Tupac was a Panther Cub. Mm-hmm. Tupac was a part of the movement. And guess what? Fred Hampton Jr. is alive and well today, and he's a leader of the National Panther Cub movement. So I'm just coming up, uh, surfacing a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. when I do these types of things, it's with the hopes that the message will get out and people will learn about it. And you know how they had those little squiddy aliens in the Matrix? Yeah. Right? 
It's like I'm surfacing, but I only got so much time because those little squiddies might come along and I might have to be fighting for my survival. Mm-hmm. But make it even crazier is it's 2021. You heard about single moms in the struggle. I'm a single dad in the struggle. I got two little mm-hmm. kids that I got to make sure I teach them right and keep them safe in all of this. Mm-hmm. So when I make mistakes, when I lash out, when all those generations of slave mentality bubble up and I look back and I say, what did I have to do to change and to evolve? I got to be kind to myself. Easy mm-hmm. does it. And I would say as this, my response to you, I hope that I wasn't too long winded, but that's what mm-hmm. I could imagine that she means. She means that once you decide that you want to change, you're going to encounter yourself. You're going to eventually wake up and realize that some of the things you've been thinking and feeling and the way you've been responding to things and the way you treated people was not right. But be mm-hmm. kind to yourself. You're on the right path. Keep going. One day at a time. Easy does it. That's bomb. That's bomb. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Um, thank you so much for being here. We're going to get into, um, um, I almost said a piano song. It's not a thing. Uh, we're going to get into the piano, but um, I'm going to put... Um, tito's facebook page facebook page facebook link into the chat so if you would like to connect with him for sure if anybody is interested in the national political exchange program that we spoke spoke about earlier uh hit me up and uh tito and i will figure that out going forward if you're interested in this you know hit us up let's talk about it and we'll we'll see where it goes from here um uh, i apologize for my dog uh he believes he owns uh the whole street and he doesn't On our way out of here, Tito's going to play the piano and um, we're going to vibe with him into the end of the program. Thank you guys for being here with us. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast, have a wonderful day. If you're watching live, have a wonderful night. I hope everyone is safe and uh, being kind to yourselves and your neighbors. So without any further ado, everyone, please welcome the immensely talented Tito Rivera. Oh, before you start, um, oh, no, we're good.
Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for sharing your talent and your knowledge. And um, just just thank you. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and on the show today. Thank you for your time, your energy. Thank you for being willing to offer to me this opportunity to share this space with me. I enjoy freestyling, you know, like I just was doing live, you know, that makes it all that much more enjoyable. And for you giving me and my family the space to share. Again, I want to send peace and power to all my people, mm-hmm. all my revolutionaries, actionists, activists, elders, newcomers. I hope that someone out there was inspired tonight by your questions and my responses. And as we say in my community, Taino Ti, Seneco Cacona, Mabrica, Aho. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, for those of you who are, <gasps> yes. Okay, um, podcast listeners, if you remember earlier, I asked Tito what he was holding. I suggest that you come to the Uncork Poetry Podcast Facebook group so you can watch this video, or you can follow me on um, the Tamora Israel Poetry uh, Facebook page, and you can see this video as well. And Tito's holding a a stick. Now I'm going to describe it for you, but I'm pretty sure that uh, what I'm describing has actual names other than the one of the <laughs> boring ones I'm going to give them. So um, it looks like a, a walking stick and I believe two or three feathers. I see some red um, fabric and some white rope. Could you tell us what that is? No, I can't tell you nothing about it. You're killing me, Tito. You're killing me. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. All right, I'm going to make it really quick. How many seconds we got left? Uh, let's say a good uh, two minutes. Okay, I'm going to try to get it done in 60 seconds or less. Cool. This is called a waluta. This is actually a feather from the northern... Um, oh, why am I drawing a blank? No, no, not the turkey. It's uh, condor. Sorry. No worries. They call it a vulture up here, but I prefer to refer to it in a more noble way, identifying it as the northern condor. This is actually a seashell that my son had found, and we incorporated into this. And this is actually my walking stick that I use when we do vision quest, where we go up onto a hill for four days and nights, and we fast, and we pray, and we sing, and we stay in one spot on the earth, and we look to seek for a vision. And so when things get tough, I look at this waluta and feather and I have this stick right next to me to keep me strong. This is my staff during my vision quest. And one day, as I continue to develop this piece, I will pass it on to my son when he begins doing his vision quests. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, you guys, make sure that you follow Tito on all the socials. Um, I put his um, Facebook link into the chat, and I will add it to um, the podcast descriptor as well, so you can look there to follow him. Um, Tito, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Look You're forward welcome. to seeing you again in the future. For sure. All right, folks, that's it for us. Uh, thank you for listening and watching the Uncorked Poetry Podcast. My name is Tamara Israel. I'm your host. My guest today was Tito Rivera. So as we leave, we say the same thing as we always do. Remember, 
hurt people hurt people so keep an eye on your pain stay safe godspeed and we'll see you next week you guys have a great time and uh drink responsibly and always always 